Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to our new PR Week podcast episode with Arvind Hickman. Hello, I'm Arvind Hickman and welcome to the PR show. Today, we're taking a closer look at how organisations get tone right during the coronavirus crisis. I'm joined by Blurred founder and CEO Nick Govier and Frank Managing Director and founder Andrew Block. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hello. Right, this is PR Week's first podcast about coronavirus, and we are recording remotely using Zoom. So I do apologise if the sound quality isn't quite up to our usual standards. I also live right next to the district line in London. So if you hear a train hurtling towards our guests, do not worry. There's no I doubt can't guarantee kids won't be wandering in and doing all sorts of things. So everyone's going to have to bear with everyone. Exactly, exactly. Right. So there's no doubt the coronavirus is having a major impact on the industry, particularly on trading, talent management and client work. Nick, how has this crisis impacted Blurred in the way that you guys operate? Um, operationally, very little actually, because um, we're only well less than a year and a half old. So we set up with flexible working very much at our heart anyway. So it wasn't that difficult to step to kind of move full time from home. It's more being about how we've kind of dialed some things up and dialed some things down. So for example, we've always done coaching for everyone fortnightly, kind of all levels across the business. And we've really upped that because we've got that people, you know, are finding this difficult, particularly in terms of, you know, juggling work with kids at home and all that kind of stuff. Um, And also we've just done a couple of things to um, make people's lives easier, really. We've got this initiative called Healthy Body, Healthy Mind, where we do an exercise class every day, Pilates, HIIT, cardio, yoga, etc. And it started just for the team, but we ended up 
um, extending it to clients and cohort members and partners. And it's just been a joy because um, you see you kind of everyone kind of has given up on the brushing of the hair and the makeup. And you see your clients after a meeting you've just had with them, you know, in their gardens, doing their Pilates. And it's just been a great um, bonding experience, really. Okay, what's it been like over at Frank, Andrew? How has your team adapted to working remotely and, and to the situation in general? I think much the same as, as Nick, really. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, I'm really proud of how everyone has adapted. It's, it's, you know, as the kind of phrase of the month, unprecedented times, and none of us have dealt with this before. No one was sort of built to know how to adapt. But we've almost found ourselves with kind of 50 or so offices. Um, and the thing that I've seen, actually, you know, although we're physically distant, socially we've come together as a team more so than ever before and and actually what nick said you know not just as a team but with clients as well and we're doing all of these things that we probably should have done when we were sat next to each other but weren't so this sort of separation in, in a lot of ways has brought us closer and we're you know doing the daily calls and the catch-ups and weekly quizzes and exercise and fun and we're doing the training stuff as well but it's it's been an absolute pleasure to see how everyone has come together and I think one of the things that you know I've noticed is people have sort of found the time to ask them a little bit more ask more of each other in terms of you know how they're feeling and what they're up to and how they're coping and all the kind of things that you kind of don't really do when you're sat in the office. Just just be mindful towards each other and, and sort of checking up on each other and, and communicating a bit more effectively. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think we've ever been, I mean, I can't remember anything in my lifetime where literally the whole world is going through something at the same time. And just what it's made people do is just take the time to listen and talk and adapt to how one another is, is feeling. So there's there's been lots of positives from it. I mean, you know, we're still relatively early days, I think, in terms of, of what's going on. So how we will adapt as time goes on and remains to be seen. But three weeks or so into lockdown, I think everyone appears to be coping remarkably well and, dare I say, sort of quite enjoying it. I mean, I'm like Nick, I love change and I thrive on it and mentally this has certainly kept me agile the last few weeks but I think the the rest of the, of the team and all our employees are really adapting well and not all of those people do cope with change as well as perhaps I do and it's it's been it's made me really proud to to see how everyone is is dealing with it and coming together as one and working as a team yeah it's interesting that you say that about how in some ways, it's become more enjoyable. I mean, I guess from PR Week's perspective, it's been quite a difficult period for us, actually. Um, whenever you have these sorts of crisis situations, our workload just escalates and we're pretty much writing nonstop. So it's been quite challenging in that front. But I guess, yeah, just trying to adapt to constantly being at home and trying to make sure you keep those communication lines open has been interesting. And I think there, are, there certainly will be some lessons in how we operate going forward as well. Uh, I guess the focus of this podcast, though, is more to do with clients and some of the impacts that clients are seeing. Nick, can you give us a, a bit of an um, idea in terms of how coronavirus is impacting society and how clients um, are sort of being impacted in terms of their marketing and comms plans? I think it's been fascinating to watch 
to be honest, and I think it will be studied for many years to come. Um, but I think it's been so interesting to watch people kind of learn as they go because, you know, extraordinary times, new rules. It was interesting in the early kind of days, people just still behaving as brands, really, and just thinking they could do this cheeky little thing or, or you know, a little um, action over here to kind of um, communicate something around kind of COVID and very quickly getting burnt and realizing that that kind of behavior wasn't um, appropriate anymore. But you could see people kind of... Uh, of, of well, yeah, so McDonald's is quite a, a good example and it's been quite polarizing, but I don't think any brand would behave like that or business like that now where they did the arches and they separated it. But at mm. that time, that wasn't an unusual thing for someone to have done. And, and I didn't have the same adverse reaction to others because it was helpful in landing a message about social distancing. But the point was, you know, people were suffering and suddenly to, to act like a brand still to promote itself felt wrong. And what people very quickly were saying is, that's all very well and good, but where's your action? You know, what are you doing? What about paying your, you know, your um, your employees sick pay? You know, we want to see proper business behavior. And I think that has been really interesting. And I think a lot of people were acting like that. And that was probably only, what, three weeks ago or something? But we're now operating in kind of cat, you know, cat years. And every day you realize that it's no longer appropriate to behave in the way that perhaps you know you could before but ultimately it's stuff we've believed in for years um or i've certainly believed in and blurred believes in. you know it's what you do it's not just what you say you know the days of spin are kind of a, a, a long 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 gone and we all want to see how businesses are reacting rather than just how brands are behaving yeah i mean i think what nick's saying is totally right and three weeks does seem like a lifetime and it kind of started to hit me when you were getting all the emails from every brand that you didn't even remember signing up to a mailing list for telling you, you know, here's what we're doing about Corona. And you're like, Jesus, I didn't even know that I'd spoken to you in the last 10 years. And I think what brands have had to do really quickly is listen and listen to their customers closer than they've ever had to do before. And the brands that have done it well have, judge the mood of the nation correctly and judge their attitudes and what we've seen is brands sort of move from kind of panic to reassurance to starting to adapt towards these kind of new needs and then you know what we're starting to see now in recent days is brands beginning to plan for their own resilience and their recovery um but you know pretty quickly i think brands woke up to the fact that now is not necessarily the time to be sort of beating your own chest if ever there was a good time to be a good corporate citizen and contribute to the public good and what your consumers want now is, is the time and it's taken something like this i think for brands to really get in tune with the mood of the nation which is shifting hour by hour day by day week by week yeah We'll come back to some examples of of good and bad a little bit later on in this podcast. Uh, I just wanted to move the discussion along to how um, brands and organisations need to organise their comms around some of these new consumer and societal needs that we're seeing. Nick? So for us, the big thing we've been talking about, and um, it was actually Stuart, um, my founding partner, that really started leading this in our team, so I'm sealing his language. But what we talk to all our clients about right now is actually now is the time of business and not brand um you know people are hurting people are dying 
people are not interested in being marketed to or sold to. You know, it is about what a business can contribute to the world right now rather than what a brand can. And it's not quite that brands don't have a role, but you've got to get it in the right order. And as I said, we're really talking to our clients a lot about that at the moment, but we're saying, what are you best placed right now to to provide an offer for the overall, you know, need right now? You know, if you've got factories, is it, you know, repurposing them? If you're a logistics business, can you help, you know, get stuff from one place to another? You know, what can you genuinely offer? And for us, it's really imp- important. And it's it's really hard for a lot of our clients as well, because we're saying you've got to reframe everything. Stop using that word brand. Almost think of yourself as an NGO. And as, we, as I've said, you know, that's the first thing we say to them is that's step number one. You know, stop using that word in your vocabulary. Change the way you're thinking. And um, so for us, it's about substance. It really is about what can you do to contribute? Have you got um, a role to play right now that is genuinely helping the overall effort? then you can apply a brand lens or a purposeful lens. But first and foremost um, comes substance. And I think, you know, another example for me was Brewdog, where it just didn't sit right for me. I think I may be in the minority here, but although what they did was produce this sanitizer, it felt like it was marketing first. And that just sat wrongly with me from day one. You know, they talked about it in terms of this is what we've done. It looked like a photoshopped kind of product and then eventually over time they did say what they were doing with it that they were giving it away for free and to um the nhs etc and there's still been some controversy around that actually but i don't know what the facts are but for me it's a bit like do the right thing first really work it out you know how you're going to get this thing out there what you're going to do how you're contributing then market it if you you know so desire but don't start marketing it before you've properly done it and i think that is one of these big shifts we've been seeing and that Andrew was talking about. Yeah, just just to give our um, listeners a bit of context, um, BrewDog released a hand sanitizer product and I think they tried to um, donate it to one of the hospitals um, in England and the composition of the hand sanitizer didn't quite meet the required standards. Um, But I understand they have gone back and they have reformulated it to a level where it has been accepted since then. So, And to be fair, I I think they got on this early. I think they did it to be used in offices and businesses. So it wasn't required. And I I don't know this, I'm making this up, but they got on this early. So I think that it was for when we all, you know, were running out in our homes, et cetera, that they decided to do it. And of course, by the time they actually were able to manufacture it, we're all in lockdown. It's not needed so much. And the NHS was where it was needed. But to me, it's what I mean. They marketed it, got it out. They said they were doing it before they'd worked out what they were doing. And for me, that just smacked a bit too much of we're marketing ourselves, you know, first and foremost, without actually working out if we've, you know, got, we're, you know, producing or doing the right thing. And I think that's why it fell a bit flat for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I think there, you know, the BrewDog example for me Sometimes a brand can be almost invisible and there's not a need to plaster your logos all over something. And I think, Nick, you said, I'll just paraphrase you, but sort of substance first, marketing second. And yeah. and, and I agree with that. But I, I do think that to a certain degree, a brand does have a role to play and is part of a business. And what we're seeing with, a lot of the successful examples of brands operating in this new world is brands that have started to sort of organize 
their marketing around these new consumer needs. So whether those needs are a need for connection or a need for productivity or yeah. learning or exercise, well-being, um, but also kind of there is boredom. So there's a need for entertainment. We're eating in a different way, a lot more meals at home, not going out. So food and food ideas, we in our houses. So home maintenance and improvement tips. So not everything has to have a sort of corporate purpose. There can be this role simply for being useful and yeah, I adapting agree with that. to these, these new needs. And certain brands who have played in the territory of, I don't know, maybe more lighthearted or entertaining, there is a role to lighten the mood and have fun because it's quite scary, very scary times. And, you know, I think about Frank and the way we communicate and me personally on social media and stuff. And I think I don't want to be that person repeating death tolls and scare statistics. There's enough other people to do that. Potentially the role for Frank or for me is to do what I've always done and try to find interesting things that brands are doing or lighten the mood, jokes, memes, you know, that that still exists. We we need there is a role to lighten the mood of the nation and bring some sort of fun back. Not everything needs to be dominated by Corona. Just playing the devil's advocate here. Uh, do you think it really matters to people outside of, of our industry if they're getting hand sanitizer that's heavily branded? As, as I mean, if, if BrewDog, for example, is just getting the product out there that's needed, do you really think it matters that they're, they're trying to sort of get marketing capital from this? Uh, do you think consumers really care as long as they're getting their, their hand gel? I well, there has been backlash. We have yeah. seen backlash to, on, on, to brands about that, and it's not just us lot. You know, it is yeah, the, I mean, you've got to be sensitive and it has yeah, you to do. feel, you know, legitimate again, and authentic. Yeah, correct. And I think, you know, it's it's very easy to be an armchair critic and say Brudel got it wrong, McDonald's got it wrong. because um, tonally it's it's very difficult at the moment. But it is yeah. where I think people look at it is kind of are you doing this as a brand opportunity or are you doing this to you know, really add some value into society. And I think, you know, the successful case studies that have already come out of this all all have that sort of common factor that they've added this level of value and have some substance to it. And there's been some great examples. And the ones that have opened themselves to criticism are the ones that potentially have come across as a bit op- opportunistic or not particularly well thought through and you know at the best of times you should never have creativity for creativity's sake it should always come from a strategic insight but the one the people that have fallen short and opened themselves up to criticism rightly or wrongly are the ones that have just almost appeared to just jump on the moment without properly thinking through what they're doing and why they're doing it and you look at for example, like LVMH and what they've done with hand sanitizers versus the BrewDog example. And that just felt. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Rightly or wrongly, a lot more genuine and sincere, and they didn't plaster the logos yeah. all over everything. They did it much more from a, they communicated it much more from a sort of corporate perspective as opposed to from a consumer perspective and were widely praised for what they were doing because it just, I mean, I think it did have, but it came across as having much more substance than perhaps, you know, what Brunel did, which just tonally felt a little bit gimmicky, although you can't take away from what they were doing, which is fantastic. And is it part of the effort, isn't it? That's the thing. I agree with what you're saying. And, and I, I think, you know, for example, Disney plus, great that they really marketed themselves heavily because they have a role to play. I, for one, am really grateful. I was aware that that service launched. So for me, I agree with you. It's not saying everything has to be serious, but it can't be opportunistic. It it needs to feel like it's part of the effort. And that's why I'm a bit more interested in kind of purpose rather than, you know, brand and leaning into a truth about yourself. And so for us, you know, what's Blurred got to do with exercise classes for people? But for us, again, it it was... to use your language, it was a need we could see for our customers, you know, but it was also true to who we are. You know, one of our values is democratic. So if we're going to do something for our team, we'll do it for our clients and our friends and, you know, open up the doors. So, but it's okay. just where, like you say, it just smacks of opportunism. The other thing is that consumers' mindsets are changing really quickly and brands are having to adapt to that <laughs> in real time. And you know, even in the span of a few weeks, we've gone from kind of anxiety to survival to boredom to time well spent to being with our families, all these different kind of consumer mindsets. And the, again, sort of successful businesses and successful brands have tapped into the, that sort of shifting mindset and provided something of value where they've done it in the right way. But that's not easy to do because. Yeah, I think we're already a nation of consumers that can love something one second and be bored of it two days later. But that speed of kind of the best way I can explain it, sort of just a changing mindset is faster than it's ever been. Yeah. In this situation, should clients just ignore brand altogether? How do you sort of strike the right balance here? For me, it's get the substance right first. Um, I think Burger King was really interesting. Um, Andrew, I don't know if it's one of your clients still. I know it was, but um, I don't know if you're responsible for any of this stuff. But, you know, they, I think, watched and learned from McDonald's and they put substance before they did anything quirky with the brand. You know, they introduced free kids' meals. It's true to them. You know, they can do that. They can provide food. And then they did more playful things like the quarantine whopper and stuff like this. But but they got they they kind of got their house in order first, you know, contributed to the overall, um, you know, effort, and then were playful with the with the brand. So as I said, for me for me personally, is it brand? Is it purpose? You know, 
what is it? But I do believe that purpose and will be ever more important when we come out the other side of this and people will really be looking at businesses and brands and saying, look, did they do the right thing? And I really hope people do vote with their feet. You know, I hope that, you know, Tim Martin's actions at Weatherspoons and, you know, Mike Ashley, Sports Direct, et cetera, you know, that people will recognise the, the businesses that did the right thing and those that, you know, frankly didn't. And there's, again, some amazing examples, but often it's the people who you know are going to do the right thing. So Timpsons, I've been obsessed with, do you know these guys? You know the um, yeah. people who do the key cutting and stuff. I listened because mm-hmm. I'm really old, middle-aged, but I love Desert Island Discs and I listened to the founder of Timpsons a year or so ago on Desert Island Discs. And I was like, what an amazing guy. Because it's all these, you know, little businesses across the country, often run by ex-cons, totally based on trust. It's just like, you know, you guys, I know what the average taking should be in one of these one-man bands. You know, if it's not after a while, you know, we'll have a conversation. But kind of off you go. You know, a proper, amazing purpose-led business. And, you know, I, I was interested to see how, you know, they would react in this crisis. And, of course, they were one of the first companies to say, you know, none of our staff are going to, you know, lose their jobs. Everyone's going to keep being paid. And and that's just joyous for me because, and I, and I, and I you know, really hope that the businesses that act correctly and appropriately and do help us all get out of this one way or another are the ones that people really do you know back in the future and those that frankly didn't and haven't you know that people vote with their feet a bit i I mean i i do think they will but i'd also argue that there there is a a role for brands and with you know the burger king example you've used i'm obviously close to they're my client and you know every business has suffered you know, unimaginable mayhem and yeah you know one of the first things every business has to do is sort out its own house and they've got their own internal comms issues operational issues yeah that they need to deal with and i think you know where burger king got it right was their tone of voice and yeah exactly keeping it real and you know you look at other brands i think Accardo have also done an exceptional job in terms of just being very open in terms of communicating their operational challenges and, and Sainsbury's as well, actually. Yeah, yeah Sainsbury's and Tesco's, I think, have Mike you know what they've done is really been helpful to consumers. And I was did my sort of socially isolated once a week essential shop the other day. And you know, you go into Tesco's, there's signage everywhere, there's floor sort of markers, they're communicating to their customers and actually really helpful in it from a personal point of view put me at ease kind of going into quite an uncomfortable you know I'm very paranoid about everything and didn't particularly want to go and shop but just going into that environment I felt very reassured and then I went to another store down the road and you wouldn't have known anything was sort of going on in the world. Mm. It's it's interesting to see how different um, industries are really responding in either a positive or negative way. I mean, on the positive side, you've obviously got the supermarket brands who have been doing some great comms and and really really getting out there and, and helping people. And then on the other side, I, I guess a recent example, which is probably a bit closer to to Andrews and, and and my heart, would be football and how football clubs and players, and in particular, aren't sort of coming to the party and 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 being seen to chip in. I, I'm just curious. Well, they are now, but yeah. Well, yeah, well, some of them are, are sort of backtracking. Some of them aren't, right, Andrew? Um, right. I, I just wanted, 
I just wanted to get a little bit more in terms of how you get tone right in this situation. What are some of the key things you think clients really need to be mindful of right now? So, I mean, look, there's there's lots of different ways that brands and organisations can behave. And as I said earlier, it's definitely, it's about adapting. And not all comms have to be related to corona. I know it's the thing that is dominating world news, but it doesn't mean everything has to be to do with that. But, you know, some of the things that I've seen that, are really good and have sort of sat well with me as a consumer and looking at it, you know, as a PR professional. Brands that have made themselves very reachable. So, you know, again, Ocado, but also people like British Airways have really gone out their way to make sure that they're there for their customers. Um, brands that have kept it real and like the BK example and Ocado, but also people like KFC and the, and the way that they've communicated, they've done it in a way that keeps their tone of voice in the same manner that consumers would expect from them, even though they're talking about stuff they've never had to talk about before. I think supermarkets as a category have been exceptional and in particular how they've set aside their differences as competitors and you know the big six have come together collaborated um as an industry for consumers benefits um being helpful like the tesco's thing i think being generous and you know those brands like lvmh as nick said i think consumers will talk with their feet when when this all comes to an end um going local and you know a lot of big brands have adapted by supporting their local communities. So um, like Guinness, for example, who have supported the Irish bar industry, which is obviously suffering at the moment. But for me, the, the bits that kind of have stuck out to me are the brands that have helped lighten the mood, um, maybe because that's the area that Frank is in. But these are the people that have probably taken the biggest risks tonally in terms of sort of ignoring the seriousness and doing what they would always do. So people like, I think Innocent have done a great job. Paddy Power have done a great job. I loved um, Pornhub encouraging people to isolate by offering free Pornhub premium. Um, to Martin, which is one of our brands, did a virtual whiskey um, festival last weekend, which was amazing. Um, so for me, those brands, are the ones that I notice perhaps more than the ones that are doing what you would expect as good corporate citizens. But all of these brands are having to adapt and understand their consumers' pain points and adapt to these new traditions and routines. Um, but it's been brilliant as a PR professional to observe it all because it's happening so quickly and you know how quickly these decisions are having to be made be made so seeing them play out and day by day there's more and more case studies more and more examples of brands that are getting it right and wrong especially as they're i think becoming a bit more resilient and getting into recovery mode and, and brands can't stay silent you know they have to do something um but there was this interesting stat that I read, which was from the financial crash of 2008, which um, 
essentially said that stronger brands recovered and came out of that dip nine times faster than those who went silent and did nothing or were weak going into it. And that, I think, is a really powerful stat. And what we're trying to do with our clients at the moment is show them how to get through this journey um, in the right stages so that they come out of it as strongly as they possibly can. Okay. Well, what about in, obviously there's there's many many good examples. Uh, maybe Nick, you can also reflect on some of the ones that have really stood out to you. But there's also been some examples of of getting the tone wrong. So I'd like for both of you to sort of touch on some examples of what not to do in a, in a constructive way, of course. I just look. I think for me, I agree with everything Andrew said there. I think naturally we come at it from our own kind of company's perspectives. I guess um, as you said, Andrew. For for me, one thing we've just said to all our clients, the exam question is really about how you'll be judged on the other side. You know, will people say they rose to the considerable challenges and they ultimately did the right thing? And that right thing can be, as Andrew said, providing a, a role of, you know, lightening the mood of, of the nation. But equally, it can and should be, you know, utilising what it's best at, be it infrastructure or, you know, facilities, whatever it is to do that right thing on a local, national or a or a global level, I guess I just still fundamentally believe, you know, you start at home. So, you know, you do, and we're always going to advise on this, have you got your own house in order? Are you looking after your own people? You know, are you, you know, adapting to support the overall effort before you market? You know, I think that is that key point that um, I've been making. And, you know, some of our clients have done amazing things and, you know, switched their factories to um, produce ventilators or, you know, like with BT, you know, where the CEO is, you know, given six months of his salary to charity, et cetera. Um, and I think then you have absolute license to do the other stuff. I think both is important, but you've got to kind of get your house in order first. And I think I've talked about the things where I think things haven't been right and, you know, the reasons why, because perhaps it's felt like we've been overtly marketed to um, or people have been a bit opportunistic. But it doesn't mean that people cannot come out of this well you know jay wicks is a brilliant example now he has promoted himself brilliantly and is one of the most famous men in the world right now and i don't hold that against him because he's you know he's serving us all he has become the nation's pe teacher you know he has and it, it's been incredible so it's not about saying you know you don't have a people shouldn't be out there doing stuff it's just about getting that tone right and doing you know the right thing Ultimately. Yeah, and, and celebrities are brands in their own right. Yes, of course they are. You're right. You know, the reason why Joe Wicks has done so well is because he's totally judged the mood of the nation. Yeah, and what we need, the need of the nation, the need And, of it, yeah. you know, you do see certain celebrities who will remain nameless that, you know, almost see this as a platform to promote themselves in the same way that a brand might. So celebrities have got it right or wrong and will also be judged. And, you know, for me... People like Matt Lucas, Piers Morgan, Lord Sugar, you know, of, of all Gary Lineker, you know, all people that have really brought their brand values to life to contribute to how the nation is feeling. And, you know, brands, are, I think people as brands should operate in exactly the same way. You know, no one wants to see someone capitalising on a pretty exploit situation. Yeah, exploiting it for their own benefit. And it's really hard, you know, we're planning Christmas campaigns right now. And I think we're being involved because we can balance both things as part of our proposition, you know, absolutely on the creative, but also with that massive lens of 
people might be having Christmases with a, you know, an empty seat this year. You know, yeah. the very real possibility that family members, you know, might not be around and it's very, very difficult to get that, you know, tone right. And as we've both said, it's like it changes daily. Global sentiment changes daily in how we react and respond. You know, when our own PM ended up in intensive care, it suddenly jolted everyone into, you know, this is real. Mm. Um, so it's interesting and it will continue to change. And I think if we repeated this in three weeks' time, it would be, you know, we would be probably thinking we would have all moved on collectively again. And as I started this, I think for years to come, this will be topics at universities and, you know, studied for, for ages of how businesses, people, you know, brands, individuals, celebrities, influencers, how everyone chose to, you know, behave and adapt in, in these extraordinary times. Yeah, I mean, we've been writing presentations and by the time we've finished them and sort of debated them as a team, like they're out of date and I've never seen anything like it. I looked yeah, actually yeah. before we did the call a presentation we wrote sort of three weeks ago for clients to sort of advise them on how to sort of navigate this new normal and it was I mean it's just rubbish I mean it was it wasn't <laughs> at the time but like I yeah, look at yeah. it now and it's like so outdated and since then we've probably done 10 iterations of that but it, it yeah. needs to change pretty Constantly. much daily at the moment yeah um, but that's the key to it, I think, as organisations, as companies, as brands, as people, we need to, it's all about following this journey and adapting to the mindsets and the changing needs that are evolving all the time. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm going to have to leave it there in the interest of time. But thank you so much, Nick and Andrew, for joining us. And thank you to Marketeers, our production partners, for helping us produce today's podcast. Um, we're going to try and do some more podcasts during this crisis. Hopefully, this crisis won't go on for too much longer, but there's quite a lot to cover. So stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks for listening once again. I'm Arvin Hickman. Until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the PR Show podcast with Arvin Hickman. Brought to you by PR Week. If you like what you heard, please leave us a nice review.